What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR Coach Podcast, where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Today, we have a special guest from actually across the pond. Um, Graham, his name is Graham Seaton. He reached out to me on Facebook, and we've messaged back and forth a few times. Um, he's heard a little bit about my story, reached out about um, the podcast that I'm doing here, and we wanted to schedule a call just to chat. And I figured if we're going to chat on the phone, we might as well record it and let everyone else listen to it. So um, Graham and I have actually never met or talked um, outside of messaging before this podcast. So we're going to go through his story, talk about a little bit of the differences between what goes on here in the PDR world in the US versus the UK and hear his journey. So welcome to the podcast, Graham. Thank you. Thanks very much. Good to be here. What's up, man? I'm excited for this. So again, never talked before. So we're going to go through your journey. I don't know many of these answers. So we're going to um, see where it ends up. But same place I start with everybody. I actually, I know a little bit about this, but um, yeah. tell us where you're from exactly in the UK and then, um, tell us how you got into the automotive world. From, uh, basically Manchester, just outside of Manchester in, uh, Northwest of England, a, how I got into the trade, basically I left school 16. I could have gone to college, could have gone to uni, I had the grades to do that, but it just, just wasn't for me. I was, uh, Hands on. I couldn't sit behind a desk anymore. No more papers. I wanted to be hands on stuff, stuff like that. Basically, uh, my dad, he was a paint sprayer, been a paint sprayer all his life. So motor trade runs in the family, mm-hmm. and uh, I just went working with him. As soon as I left school, the Friday I finished, the Monday, I was at uh, the body shop where my dad was at, helping out, washing cars, starting from the bottom, and uh, gradually wanted to do more basically so, so start did you, did you work in that in the in the body shop environment um with your dad at all before you started a little bit here and there or no, no? never no 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 literally less less school started there on monday washing cars then it got into prepping got into painting got into polishing the full works mm-hmm. so you so so okay so you're 16 you finish high school right is that what high school out there yeah, 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 yeah. same thing um and yeah. then and then you never work with dad and you're like, I don't really want to go to college. I want to be in the trades or we call in the U S we call blue collar, white collar. Is that similar over there or something different? Yeah. Something yeah. Like we, we wouldn't use, we wouldn't use them terms, but basically the same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So you, you decided like, I don't need to go necessarily get an education to go get an office job of some sort. Um, and you just dove right into the body shop world. Yeah. Do you remember making that decision? It was several years ago, but do you remember what was going through your head? Was it just running away from college or is it running towards the automotive world? It wasn't that I had a plan to go and do that. I just mm-hmm. didn't know what to what to do. I know mm-hmm. what I didn't want to do and that was mm-hmm. go to college. So yeah. uh, that was, that was the, the first and best option for me. There you go. Nice. So you moved up the ranks, started, you said at the very yeah. bottom, you're basically washing cars. You're like, Hey dad, can I come work at the place? And they're like, sure. Here's minimum wage, probably washing cars. And Pretty this much. was, you said at 16, how many years ago is that? <laughs> Question. <laughs> Put me on spot 34 yeah. now. So about 20 so, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just shut off. 
And so you've moved up the rank since then, and you're in a pretty u- unique position at that at that same body shop or a different body shop. Different body shop. That was I was there for probably six years. Got made redundant. The, the business went under, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. Uh, I flitted about a few body shops in for the next year or so, and then yeah. stuck to where the one I am at now. Uh, Thirteen years. Thirteen years been there now. And what are you doing at this place now? This is the, this is the part that kind of piqued my interest in what, in like just the amount of skill that you have to have to do this, but what is your current position at that, at that body shop now? Still paint spraying, still paint spraying all the way through, but mm-hmm. the, the shop we're at is it's a bit of a niche in the market because it's just sports cars, prestige, supercars, top end basic stuff like that. Um, that's why it's, it, it's a good place to be at because even times like now it's because it's a niche market you're always going to get a set customer um yeah the people that the people that are driving mclarens and ferraris and things like that aren't necessarily losing their their restaurant jobs (laughs) (laughs) no no it's uh i say because it's all them type of vehicles like you say rollers bentley mclaren we've got all the old insurance contracts to do that work so it's always them them type of vehicles we're on yeah so not everybody can just do that i mean i'm not a paint sprayer but i know that in the pdr world there's different levels of skill involved with doing this and i would imagine that painting cars of this price point is something you have to work your way up to right to get to achieve the level of quality that these people are going to want on their you know you name the sports car yeah, effectively, yeah. I mean, all the fundamentals are the same. I mean, if you, I've always said if you can paint a Fiesta, you can paint a Ferrari. Uh, it's just the levels of finish and the mm-hmm. quality and as clean as they've got to be. Lack has got to be as flat as it's got to be. Mm-hmm. No imperfections, nothing. I mean, you get checked and then they get checked and then the checks get checked again. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's the quality level which is the difference. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I love that story. But just like everybody else that ends up on my podcast or ends up in this industry, you're painting for almost 20 years. And yeah. at some point, PDR catches your eye and you want to make a change. When, when did that happen? How did it happen? Well, I've always been in, in the trading body shops all my life. You've always seen dent guys in and out of body shops. You, you see them come in, you hear a, few, a bit of banging, and then they're gone. It's like, what, what are they actually doing? Uh, <laughs> it's sort of like the last two years, at the most, three years, where I, I really took an interest to it and wanted to actually go into it further. And the last year, it was like, I thought, right, I want to do it. I kept sort of pushing it off. And how do we get into it? Where do we go? And uh, that's when like it, it all started, sending messages out. Who do I contact? Where do I go? How do you train? How do you learn? Etc. The last sort of year, that's when that peaked, really. So that was step number one. You're saying for you it was like, okay, I've seen it. You see the like the recluse PDR guys come in and then do their thing <laughs> real quick and leave. And you're like, man, I've been working. I've been in this paint booth for like nine hours straight, and this guy's just in and <laughs> out of here, just like living the dream. That's the image, at least, right, that you have in your head. Um, so first things first for you you actually started reaching out to who? To, to other body shops, other PDR guys? No, or one asking no. where? No, because I don't know. It, it's weird. You, you don't sort of see it 
advertised or well known of. I mean, especially a few years ago before Facebook and social media, you didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no, there's no real shops over here. They have they dotted around now over the past few years, but you're talking 10, 15 years ago. You, I don't know how you would have found out about it. Basically, like the last year when I wanted to find out about it, it straight on the internet. Google, search, PDR. Um, how I first came about it was obviously type that in. And um, the first thing that came up was, was Dent Time. Uh, Mike's, Mike and John's place. Yeah. I, me- I actually messaged uh, Mike, Mike Toledo, and told him the situation. I mean, I was willing to go over there to learn it. The price, like, yeah, it all looks expensive at the start, but you don't realise in towards the end how valuable the training is. Um, he then put me in touch with TDN over here in the UK, which is about three hours' drive from where I am, mm-hmm. but it's not across the other side of the world, which was the only, <laughs> which was the only other thing I found over there, or say TDN over here. Interesting. So, so then you ended up, so you ended up doing the training then uh, how long ago with TDN? Yeah, literally I just finished my IMI accreditation about two weeks ago. And since then it was exactly a year since I did my training. So I did my training last September, Mm -hmm. last September. And I inquired about it around March time, February. uh, Yeah, around March time. Got my training books in for a few months down the line. Obviously, I had to go through my work and try and get the time off. And mm-hmm. say it's, it's a long time out of work to be away. I've got two kids, got a fiance. Mm-hmm. I had to run that by her, be away for a certain amount of time. Yeah, that's nice, tough. Little, nice little break. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, actually, something I wanted to ask you that I skipped over, but so you said, you know, years ago before the internet, before you could find people, you know, in the US advertising on Facebook or, or on, on the internet or podcasts or whatever. And, and there was a, so my dad has been in this industry since 1991. So, since, yeah. you know, close to the beginning, I don't know when the actual beginning was, but he was very, one of the first guys to start on the West Coast, if not the first. Um, yeah people used to actually all through the nineties and early two thousands, the PDR guys would actually hide what they were doing from everybody, from the body shop guys, from the retail customers, from everybody. Was that similar over there too, that the guys that knew PDR, you couldn't just walk up to them and be like, Hey, how do you know, talk to them or were they, they just, they would hide. I'd, I'd say it's the same as you guys. Really? really? I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's just strange. It's almost like it was a sort of, a cool secret sort <laughs> yeah. of club that you got to keep it to themselves you know what i mean it really was and i wonder if that stemmed from i don't know what that stemmed from just because it was i don't know because i mean now the feeling is obviously i think most people that listen to me would agree with this like i'm 100 percent open with all customers they can watch they can stand behind yeah. me they can look over my shoulder they can do any of those things because i know that they're not going to steal the skill really. Like I can hand anybody a set of tools and yeah. you can try it yourself. It's not going to work. Right. Yeah. And so I wonder if there was a part of that back then, the fear of like, it was, I don't know if it, if it was a fear of people stealing the idea or something, but Absolutely. now we know just how difficult it is. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. That's interesting. But you know, I, the things I find fascinating are the similarities that we've talked about so far between the U S and the UK 
And um, obviously we weren't connected in any way through Facebook forums and, and listening yeah. to the same stuff and mobile tech expos and all those things, but it followed yeah. a very similar thread, pretty fascinating stuff. Mm. Um, I asked you this right before we started, but you've gotten a lot of, you've mentioned Mike, um, you mentioned some other podcasts following people um, in the U S and I asked you this before, but there's not much, PDR content, I guess, coming out of the UK. Is that correct? Like podcasts or, or blogs or training or anything? No, not really. I mean, I, there's a few training companies that mm. I, I could have come across, but they just didn't seem to offer what TDN offered. Obviously, mm. you guys in the US, you all know who TDN are. You all know what yeah. they do, tools, training, support, all that. Um, it just seemed like the right people to go to knowing he had the backup and the credibility. Yeah. So that, that's interesting that the U S is kind of, you know, I, maybe the biggest market for PDR, maybe they always will be, or maybe they just, maybe we just got a head start on it or what, but I don't know much about PDR in the UK. Um, other than the fact that, you know, there's cars over there too. That's the, about the extent of my knowledge <laughs> over there, but you've listened to so many podcasts over here. So many people, um, all mostly all us based people. What are there any differences, um, between our markets, whether it's like pricing knowledge of the customers, um, types of car people are driving, what cars are made of any, any of that type of stuff that you can think of. I think it's hard to say, obviously I'm, I'm new to the game, still yeah. fresh in it compared to a lot of the guys. Uh, from my knowledge, I think you can get more money. From the work you do, obviously, some of the stuff I see on my social media accounts are for, I think, Jesus, it's, it's big money from something that you, I don't think you'd get over here. Obviously, if you charge everything right, you can use the uh, MTRX and charge all your jobs right. Of course, you can make the money. Uh, I just think it's a diff it, it's, it's the same, but different in, in terms of getting it put out there and seeing how much everything costs. I think it, half of it is a case of selling it to your customer. I don't think it's over here, put out there enough. There's, a, there's guys over here, uh, dotted all around the country, that do everything they can to put it out, and they're the kind of people that I wanted to sort of emulate in a way, get it out to the public as much as you can. If, mm -hmm. if, if they don't know it's there, you don't know what it costs. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, the, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a thing that, I mean, I coach a lot of different, different clients all over the U S now and then Canada too. Nothing, no one oversees at this point, but that's a, that's a common thing that we hear is that, you know, Oh, I can't charge enough in Texas. I can't charge enough in West Virginia. I can't charge enough in pick the state um, or the country. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And you mentioned it, you kind of, you kind of started there and then said, well, you know, you can charge anything you want to charge. If you approach the customer correctly, find the right yeah. customers, do all that stuff. So that, that's true too. So, so a very, a very, uh, uh, very similar market um, mm. in those ways. Right. But you're saying your price is now, well, let's just, let me ask you this next question. There's obviously a lot of car dealerships there. Are you involved in any dealerships over there or just retail? Okay. okay. Me personally, no. No, I don't do a, mm -hmm. got no dealerships. I have friends dotted around uh, who sell cars, but in terms of me servicing dealerships, no, I, I don't do one, just purely retail. And a lot of my work is through detailers, detailers, yeah. valors. I've got a lot of friends dotted all over the place 
um, with their own detailing companies. Mm-hmm. They pass work on to me, I pass work on to them. I think that kind of customer is part and parcel. If, if you've got a customer that wants his car looking mint, polished up, mm-hmm. coated, they're the type of customer that will, will pay the money for a good, decent quality repair. Yes. That's the kind of market I'm aiming towards rather than one of the mill car dealerships, mm-hmm. trade work. Um, Very do you have any idea what, what any of your friends that are working at wholesale dealers charge just out of, just out of plain curiosity? Okay. Yes and no. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, it's not the route I want to go down. Yeah, that's fine. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. Well, maybe we could talk about that privately at a, diff- at a different time. But uh, so you've been to training. It's been about a year or so. I've seen some of the stuff on your on your Instagram page, um, and it looks. Like, I mean, it's really clean work from everything I can see. Um, the pictures that you're taking, at least the videos and stuff. Um, you're a year into it. You've done some pretty good work. What are the plans um, for going down the road? Obviously, now that you're trained in PDR, you're still working at the paint shop right? And yeah. you're doing part of the reason probably why you're not doing the dealerships is that you're working nights and weekends basically to do PDR, right? Pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how it's working. Uh, I'm, I'm in the body shop till two, three o'clock going home, doing my retail work in my own time. So I could do one or two a day weekends. I just, I just stack my weekends out. So I'm on the road all day, Saturdays and Sundays. So, but gets to the point where you've got to make the jump. There's a point where you think, right, I'm, I'm too far ahead with my bookings. I can be booked up three, four, five weeks every single day in advance, which if you can condense that down into a two-week block, it's it's two, two full weeks of work. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's getting to that point now where I think, right, I've, I've got to go, got to go full time. That, that's a tough decision, yeah. Yeah, especially with what's going on at the moment. I mean, I say I've got I've got two kids, I've got a fiance. We've just moved house, which which is what delayed our call mm-hmm. um, over yeah. the few months we've been chatting. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID obviously don't help. It's getting worse <laughs> over here. We've uh, we've all just been locked down again. Oh really? Just recently? Yeah, like in the last just week? recently. Yeah. The the government over here, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think the, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that share your sentiments in this country and many other countries across the world. So yeah. actually, let's touch on that real quick. We'll, we'll take a tangent. Um, they shut you down again, like all the way shut down. Like, don't like don't leave your house shut down or, or what? Not in a sense. There's rules and then there's other rules which can break them rules. It, it's so everyone is so misinformed with what they want. We're not allowed to meet in more than groups of six people, but they've got to be in a social bubble. For example, yeah. if there's six people living in your house, you can't meet anyone else. You can go to the pub and meet your mum, but you can't go to your, you can't go to your mum's house and meet your mum. <laughs> so uh, wait, 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 wait. So there, yeah. I mean, obviously they can't enforce that in any way, but you're not supposed to go to your mum's house. No, no but but no. the pub is open. And you pubs can meet her there. <laughs> they, tr- they tried shutting all the pubs and clubs. And there was riots uh, in the streets? <laughs> pretty much because they had a 10 p.m. curfew. So <laughs> all the pubs on the marketplaces in the, in, the, in the towns all shut at the same time at 10 p.m. So you've got thousands of people in the same spot at the same time. It's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, t- today we, 
yeah, we had an announce, announcement today that uh, Manchester's been locked down as such. Got to follow all these rules again. It's just, it's ridiculous. So I think a lot, a lot of talk in the U.S. is, um, you know, there are a lot of shutdowns back and forth. People don't know, and it's become very political. And a lot of people here yeah. think that, you know, when the election happens, that things will change. But obviously you're not you're not over there waiting for for the u.s election to do anything but you're still under the same flip-flopping rules back and forth for no yeah yeah there's a, i think there's a lot of uh it is, it's getting political yeah uh like say manchester today is the opposite party to who's running the country mm. and uh the same political areas now they're shutting them down first our our town mayors saying we're being used as guinea pigs for you lot down south so <laughs> it's just got ridiculous i think the old country's fed up i think the old world's fed up of it yeah i really do um and your example with the pub and the mom's house so you know we've gone out to eat a few different times you know over the last few weeks we have three kids so we don't eat out a lot but um we went to i don't remember where we were the other day to get food and we couldn't get a fountain drink or a soda because they were shut down and then a couple of weeks later, we went to another place and we could get a fountain, like a soda, but they had to fill it up for us. And then we just went to Subway today for lunch for my, my son's birthday. He's three. He likes, I don't know, he likes Subway. So we took him to Subway and you can get sodas and fill them up yourself. <laughs> all the same city, all within three miles of each other. But it's like, there's no, there's no common sense across the entire board. No. That's probably the most frustrating, frustrating thing. No rules. They say there's rules, but they're not. Everybody has their own rules, essentially. <laughs> it just seems like we're the same. It just seems exactly the same situation. Fascinating. So did you guys get shut down pretty hard, like in March too, or March or April? Uh, yeah, at first, at first we did. Yeah. At first we did, yeah. Was, yeah. I think it was like, obviously I was in the body shop. It, mm-hmm. I don't think, I think it was out of there for three months, three, possibly four months. And no those things started easing up. Pardon? There was no work for you. You were like laid off, essentially. No country was short you, you could go in your back garden you could hear a pin drop there was literally nothing it was, really? it was it was that it was eerie it was that quiet but as the weeks went on more and more people started sort of questioning it and you'd, you'd see p- people walking about and it was, it was all sorts of threats yeah but you're getting fined you're gonna get locked up yeah. it's just yeah, it's weird it's a very similar very similar situation um, for us, we have this essential business thing. And so I think most dent guys that I talked to around the country never actually stopped working. Um, but it was mm. pretty weird for, for a while. Um, but I said this in, I said it in March. I don't think, I don't know if I said it on the podcast or just to people that are close to me, uh, March or April, but, April, but the only time things like this ever end is when just people decide to end it. <laughs> they just go back to work yeah. and they're like, I'm not going to sit on my couch for, you know, forever while you decide to figure mm. out whether or not I can get a damn soda at a restaurant. it's been going on long enough now to surely think right this is what the plan is this is what we can do i don't get how they can't nail it down yeah it's it's just the news it's social media if none of if none of this was put on the news say two weeks time will be back to normal i'm pretty sure i'll be back to normal I agree. But, but to go back to the PDR world with, but within this time, right, you've been trained, you've continued to train and you've, you've set this goal to go start the PDR business. Right. Yeah. And so you didn't let these circumstances of the world 
prevent you from doing that. And if it's not COVID now, it's going to be, it's going to be the next president or it's going to be the next terrorist attack, or it's going to be the next recession or there's always a reason to not do something. Right. Um, But you've been able to find a way to at least move forward to do that. I know the house, the house move, put you out, put things on the back border burner, but in the next couple of months, your goal is to jump all the way into PDR and leave that painting gig. Yeah. Right. And what's your, what's your goals within, within the industry then what's like with it for, for yourself, for your small in Manchester area, what are your goals? Down the line, I think the goal for everyone possibly is, is to get your own place, get your own shop. Um, I like doing the route work. I like being a mobile. It's, It's nice meeting new customers and chatting to people and being stuck in a body shop, the same four walls every day. Uh, it's nice to get out there and see different things, which it's a nice little perk of being a mobile dent repair technician. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm in no major rush to do that. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, I'm probably talking a few years down the line once all this settles. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy being mobile. Yeah, I like that idea. And so you, I mean, you're. I would say you've taken a lot of action. Um, even though you're in the in the paint booth um you went took the time found a way to take time off you got fiance you got kids you got all these things got training right and then you actually mentioned to me too that you heard someone on my podcast and reached out to them and that kind of led you down a different path of like getting your website redone and all that so so first of all kudos to do that because most people that come on my podcast whether it's uh matt moore or jack bucknell or i mean gene fetty or any of these guys bryce kelly any of these guys have been on my podcast most of them are available to be, be reached out to and ask questions to and see if you can learn from them. They not, may not be accessible all the time, but they're available yeah. for that. So you took that, you took that. I think even Jack said, you know, reached out there. Hey, if anybody has questions, reach out to me. Yeah. And you actually reached out to Jack, right? How'd that go? Why'd you do that? And where did it lead you? Wait, I would say it was from that podcast when you said, uh, or when we were chatting personally via message, you, you mentioned his name and I can't, here's another podcast he was on I can't remember which one it was and uh, we were brought up so I just, I just sent him a message you um, I think he was from the same background in a body shop mm-hmm. I think it was it was your podcast because he was saying he's, uh, he was having yeah. a bit of issue and I think they got rid of him but yeah. he was at the point where he, he was made to jump so quite similar to the route I've kind of mm-hmm. gone so I just messaged him told him I heard him on your podcast and he gave me a bit of info and it just came to the website, so I'm getting the website redone now. Anyway, thanks to the thanks to Jack messaging me, and it was uh, Dave Streen and his team. Again, obviously, I followed him from his edgy tools mm-hmm. business. I didn't know he had websites, or I didn't know he made websites. Um, I just told him Jack Butnell recommended you for a website, and on that at the moment, they're currently uh, redoing my website, and it looks pretty good so far. Yeah. I'm all my website's rubbish. It's not good. <laughs> so it needs vamping. But that's awesome though. I mean, taking action though, right? Like listening to a podcast yeah. and then finding someone that you're relating to. I mean, that's why I try to have people on from all different backgrounds, guys from body shops, guys that have done coaching in the past, guys that have done training in the past, guys that are, you know, masters at dent repair, all these different things. Because when we find something we relate to, like you related to Jack and his story, you reach out to him and have those, those people help you move forward, right? Like creating a podcast last week about 
the the bear mindset the a part of or the uh, e part of it is creating an environment and part of it is that yeah. reaching out to those people and finding out how other people can help you and you never know until you start you know talking nah. to these people and and messaging them and see if you connect in some way and see if they can help you and that, i think that's i think that's one of the coolest things about this industry and about, I mean, just the internet in general, that we can do this, that you can message Jack and Jack can send you to guy in Arizona and that guy can get yeah. you set up with a website. I mean, he doesn't do the websites. He has someone else do the websites. I think that yeah, yeah. the world is so open in that way, even though, even though it keeps getting closed down in many other ways. Yeah. I think that's it with, uh, if you don't knock a door won't open is the way I kind of say mm -hmm. to myself. Uh, at first, when I first got into this and I was trying to find my way and trying to get advice and see who to speak to, you almost felt a bit weird messaging someone you don't know. You might think, if you're messaging me, like, why should they help you type situation? You don't know if you don't ask them, what's the worst that can happen? They say, they say no, or they don't reply to you. But everyone I've spoke to has, has been like such a good help. These guys over here, um, Ben Ridley, uh, Trident, he's he's been a big help with me. Oh yeah, giving me oh, yeah. advice, and uh, he he's one of the guys over it. He's not too far from me, about an hour, two hours drive. Nice. Um, now he's been a great help for you. Obviously, dotted around the country here and there. And I think with you guys across the across the pond, uh, it's easier to message because we're not in your kind of area. You might always think there's that um, territorial thing where someone might not help you. You can come across that. I imagine I haven't experienced it yet, and fingers crossed, I don't mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But you, you see, you never know. You don't know until you message someone, do you? Yeah, it's true. True. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's half. Half. I mean, that's half of the uh, battle, right? Is like you said, knocking on the door, reaching out to people, even if they're in your local market. I mean, I've I know almost every technician in my dent technician in my actual area that I cover in Sacramento, California. Yeah. Um, and I'd encourage most people to do, to do the same thing in that regard. It might feel weird at first, but I promise more good comes out of it than bad does, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have much competition in your, so you're going to start, well, actually I'm going to, I I want you to say it, um, out loud on the recorded so I can call you out on it next year if you don't do it. But, uh, <laughs> when, when are you going to start? When are you going to leave and go start your PDR business? Cold. <laughs> COVID permitting, January. Perfect. Uh, that was a plan. That's been in plan for a while. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's hard to say. You don't know what's going to happen with all this, lot, but yeah. Yeah. if this weren't here, oh, it would have been done. would have yeah. already done it. Nice. There's, there's things you can gamble on and mm -hmm. there's certain things you can't at the moment. Do you know what I mean? But... I think even even if this is still going on, January is going to be the time. And I haven't set myself dates to everything I've done so far. It's just happened. And you think you've just got to go with the flow sometimes. Mm -hmm. If someone's there telling you to go and do it, you just see the signs and I think you've got to go and do it. Yep. Um, Love that. This, this signs point to January, so follow it. That's good advice for anybody right there, for sure. <laughs> do you have do you have much competition in your local area? You said Ben Ben released a couple hours away, tried it. Um, I, think he, I think we've... I don't know if we've messaged a couple times on Instagram, I believe a few times in the past. Um, um, you have much competition in your, like in your little, in your local market, like within an hour around you. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine as well as you could probably do a Google search and pull, bring up 20, 20. Oh, really? So, but yeah. Manchester is a pretty big, 
pretty big yeah. area, Greater Manchester, Lancashire. Mm-hmm. I don't just stick to Manchester. I'll sure. do a sort of radius around where I'm based and go and cover my areas. But mm-hmm. I haven't come across anyone else to sort of, you know, me run out of work. And I imagine it's the same people. You look at it, there's thousands and thousands of cars on the road. There's, a, there's, a, there's enough dents to go around. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't... No, I don't really think there's... The com, don't get me wrong, competition's there. I think it's not fierce. Yeah. Not not, you know not at I mean. the level that you want to do. Not, not, not at the uh, quality that you're giving and the prices you want to charge and all that. There, you don't think there's somebody that's doing what you're doing, like the high-end... I've had, uh, I'll say, we can get customers getting in touch. I've had customers telling me, oh, I know someone can do it cheaper. Yeah. I, I I don't do the haggling. I don't think you should do the haggling. If you, if you do the haggling, you're setting your stall out to say, well, yeah, I could do it cheaper. Does that mean I'm overcharging you from the get-go? I, so I don't like to do that. Mm-hmm. If someone says, I know someone down the road to do it cheaper, and say, well, best of luck. <laughs> Type thing politely, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you've got to, you've got to stick to your guns. You've got to stick to your pricing. Um, if everyone did that, everyone would be on the same price and there'd be no issues. You wouldn't be fighting to to go and get a den done. Um, I've done repairs before. People have come to me and said, I've already had a previous job done. Um, I don't think I'm happy with it. Can you come and have a look? So I went around to see the job and I looked in for it. I'm not. I'm not in a position to be judging other people's works because I'm. I'm new to it, but I looked at it and I thought, I don't know how someone can be charging that. <laughs> and for the sake of me just doing twenty half an hour's work while the customer's watching me, he could say, well, why couldn't someone else do that? And when he told me the price of what he paid, I was like, well, that is why you've got a crap job because you paid a low price. If you price yourself high you're going to give high work. If you price yourself low, you're going to think, oh, I can't be asked finish enough. Uh, you haven't got the effort to put in because you, you've set your stall out too low from the start. I think that's a big thing you've got to stick with. That's huge, man. That's great, fantastic advice from someone that's not even in the US market. Every market's the same. Doesn't make a difference. Like that advice mm. is just spot on, man, to like so many people listening. It's so true. You know, charge what you're worth and then give the give the quality, um, you know, that you're charging for, right? If you do bad yeah. prices, you're going to get bad quality, period. Exactly. Uh, love that, man. I'm really looking forward to see you um, entering the PDR industry. Um, if there's ever anything I can do to help you with that, reach out to me. Um, anybody else that needs anything, reach out to me. Um, but if there's anything else that you want to say before we finish up, please um, let the US, the U.S. debt market know what's up. But um, if not, then we can uh, we can wrap up here. It's great. I just want to say thank you for having me on. Thank you for everyone who've uh, reached out to. It's nice to chat to people across the pond. And uh, thank you to TDN, Ben Ridley over at Trident, and everyone else who ever helped. So it's uh, it's been good to get going. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Looking forward to seeing uh, seeing you uh, kill it out there in uh, in Manchester coming next year, man. All right, it was fun. It was fun talking to you. And uh, we're going to chat soon, okay? Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, real quick before you go. um, We actually ended the podcast, ended up talking for a little bit longer. And since this was just uh, kind of a conversation, 
um, with each other, with each other, just kind of getting to know each other, see if I could help them. Um, I hit the record button again for like another seven or eight minutes. So after the outro, um, you can hear us talking a little bit about pricing differences uh, between the U.S. and the U.K. and kind of how to overcome some of that. So um, take a take a listen to that. I put it after the outro. Um, it's about seven or eight minutes, but it's good stuff. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for the PDR Coach or find me on my website at coachcoreyk.com, C-O-R-Y-K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week. would you be getting for that? So my minimum price that I start at is typically $150, sometimes 125 bucks if it's even smaller than an inch. Um, But yeah, that's the the mobile tech RX price guide. So I think ours is a little higher. So that's like maybe 125, like if $150 is like what? 125. Yeah. What are you calling them? Quit. You're using two different words. You're saying quit. Yeah. Yeah. it, the, the actual currency is pound sterling, yeah. so it's a pound, but slang, it's a quid. Right, <laughs> for sure. One quid, one pound. Uh, yeah, so... It, 125 pounds is about 160 bucks. Yeah, so 120 pounds start. Have you ever tried to charge that at all? Ever? I have, yeah. I mean, sometimes I look at jobs and think, yeah, they're never going to go for that. And then they, they, do, they do pay for it. I think it's just the way you go to sell it. Like big smash stuff. The biggest one single dent I've got charged was about four hundred and thirty quid, and it was it was a big big one, but it, it doesn't happen often because our customers will then say, "Well, it's gone way over my insurance excess, so mm-hmm. you'd just rather go for insurance." It's, it's hard. You've got to negotiate. You've got to get the background of the job of the customer of what they're going to pay. And I find if you do that, you've got more chance of right if you know what their excess is going to be. And can and you to... and can you can you do the claim through insurance though? You yeah, personally? if if they, I could yeah. If if someone wanted to do an insurance claim, um, they could go for me. I, I did one the other week. I actually did it at home. I've got me a garage at home converted now, so I can get my cars in. And uh, the the lady had a, a lease or a hire car. Uh, it was covered with like a smart protection. You get like ten smart repairs per year done for you for your charge do you have something like that yeah 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 it's like a dent warranty yeah, yeah. Like warranty. basically yeah. basically the same thing yeah. but this dent she had on the quarter panel it was it was oversized yeah. it, they wouldn't cover it so they basically just give her 150 pounds towards the repair mm. then it's up to her to get whatever but she billed that to me and say i can we can do them kind of things it's just not doesn't happen often <laughs> interesting yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of times it's finding the right customer too, that will play that price. Cause if you, you know, there's not everyone where I live will, will pay that price. I mean, there's a large disparity no. between people who, you know, are willing to pay money on their cars and not. Um, but we just market ourselves and try to find those people that are willing to pay those prices. I mean, we quote, you know, we probably quote anywhere between 10 and 20 cars a day. Um, and get, you know, two, two to two to four jobs a day. Yeah. So we're quoting a lot of cars where people are 
you know, either, either we can't do it. We just say, no, can't do it. Or here's the price. And they say no. Um, and then there's a couple people out of there to, you know, 20 to 40% that say yes to the price and actually do it. Yeah. Um, so it's probably very similar to you. So I, you know, it's something yeah. to think about over time. Once you get your footing, once you, once you leave and start your own thing and get going, maybe it's something to consider, you know, bumping up the prices a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, teaching the other people in your area, I don't know what Ben Ridley charges, but if you were to lead the way on that and then try to bring value to the other guys, you know, try to teach Ben how you did it. Um, but when I, like from my, my position, I see that there's a, there's a, there's a market in the UK to where people need to look to somebody to learn these things, right. Besides outside of the U S right. Um, that's basically why I've been going to him. Ben over here is is very well respected. He's, uh, I think he had his own hail company at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, I know he still goes away in the sale, but his repairs are just unreal phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, so I sort of look to him. So the, he's just as professional as you can be. So he's what I'm trying to achieve at a level. And I know he gets good money for his prices. I, I've gone to him before and I've, I've come up with jobs that have been yeah. battered with, with dents and he's the right price it like this. And he's always more than me. I think because I'm new, like saying I'm, I'm scared of losing a job. Not so much now. At first I was like, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't I want get to that. say no. I you know what I mean? That. But you're not new. If you if you you're new to doing paintless dent repair, but you're not new to think about it this way. If you call this automotive refinishing for your customers, mm-hmm. you're not new to that. Nah, nah, nah. Twenty years in that man. Yeah. I mean, PDR is a different way to automotive finish a vehicle, but it's still the way to do it. Yeah. But when you're when you come in with like the knowledge and the expertise and stuff, I mean, you have twenty years of knowledge to give the customer, not one. You know, yeah. like, you know, better than probably anybody in your entire area, what it looks like if you don't get PDR done, right? Yeah. Like what the other option is and what they do to your vehicle and that so use that as a sales process, you know? I do. That's what I sell them. I, I, I kind of sell them what you can save. The, uh, obviously the time off the road, your car getting paid, you lose your warranty, you lose your paint warranty. Uh, it depends where you get it repaired as well. You might end up with a crap repair. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn and say how good I am, but I know what I'm doing when it comes to, to painting, obviously, mm-hmm. where I've been for the past so many years. I know when a job's not been done properly, I can come up to PDR jobs now and just look at it and think that it's been painted straight away. Yeah, so you got exactly. to tell customers, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it, the information you got to give the customer as well. If you can sell them all that, you've won half the battle. Yeah. There's a lot of value in that too, though. That's the thing. There's a lot of like when the customer's coming to you, like you said before, the number one problem is that people don't know you. They don't know that PDR is an option. Right. Mm. And so people are looking to you as, as an expert, right. They don't know. They just want to make sure that they're in good hands and they're, they're going to get taken care of. Right. So you're like, Hey, here's the options, the PDR option I can do. I've also worked in the paint space for 20 years. Here's what the other options are. Here's the pros and cons to each one. That's why I left the paint business and got into the PDR business because it's such a better option for vehicle, yeah. right? Yeah. And use that as a sales process. I mean, that will build, build your reputation up as the guy, as the expert in the area that understands what, what can be done with your vehicle. I mean, that's, and that's yeah. the position you want to put yourself in, right? With Dave stream yeah. team, building your website out, you put yourself in that position. It's just a matter of time until you're, you know, the guy that everyone goes to or a lot of people go to. 
<laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, you got it <laughs> for sure.